Welcome to the seventh episode of VSML 2020 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstrong, and joining me as always is the Canadian who finds it easy to let go of his shame, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you are in the world. We are back once more with only three Vidim episodes left. So we, we will start, as always, with the same question, where in the world is Logan Saunders? I'm at home. <laughs> <laughs> See, I really wanted that to be the punchline, like, in our, in our first Vidim one this year, and then I completely forgot to ask the question. <laughs> yeah, you're at home, but you're already planning more travel. I already booked more travel. <laughs> I'm booking more travel today. <laughs> if Logan ever goes quiet in this podcast, he's more than likely booking travel. Yeah, I'm looking up coronavirus updates, too. <laughs> to try and get it or to try and avoid it? because there is a difference. <laughs> try and avoid it, or try to avoid being quarantined. As I was telling you before, if you're trying to book a flight to Asia right now, good luck. There's a lot of tabs to sort through, and all the cheaper flights are all through China, and you have to click off all of the Chinese airlines. And it's, yeah, it's a it's a pain. And you don't know when or how the travel bans will increase a lot once we're doing like two week quarantine upon arrival in a destination if you connect through, say, Shanghai or something. Yeah. And some of the websites won't even let you click off some of the airlines, which then is a lot of scrolling to do. And some of them were giving me connections that were for the same trip. One connection would be 17 hours, another connection 45 minutes in the same trip. It's super long, and, and like uh, they shouldn't even be allowed to have uh, 45-minute connections to be an option. That's just, in my, in my eyes, that's as close to an impossibility as you can get with anything. Well, it's, um, it's quite fun because I've been booking flights this week as well, and thanks to the coronavirus, I'm having to actually hold my nose and transit through the Middle East rather than through, uh, through Hong Kong as would have been the best option. So I'm not best pleased that I've got to actually go back to the UAE after my experience last time, but needs must. Oh, through their airport? Yeah. I, I hated my transits in Abu Dhabi both ways, and now I'm having to hold my nose and go through Dubai in November, and I'm not best pleased. At least Dubai is like its own country. Yeah, but the UAE is the worst place I've ever had to change planes. It was awful. <laughs> is it just lots of... It's just everyone is rude. Everyone is trying to overcharge you. It's just a genuinely unpleasant experience. Overcharge you for food, or...? Yeah, overcharge you for everything in the airport. I mean, for example, we... It was me and my brother, and we asked for some soft drinks with our, our meal that we were having. And the woman behind the counter just got the one that she wanted us to have, rather than the one we actually asked for. Oh. It's that sort of stuff. And it's just like, ugh, it's just an unnecessary faff that I don't particularly want, when, by that point, I'm going to be jet-lagged anyway, more than likely. Yeah, you never want to piss off people who are jet-lagged. No. Especially as it is 27 hours on the way back, I think. So, I am not going to know where I am, what I'm doing, or what time it is. And that's on that's on the way back from Australia? Yeah, that's on the way back from Australia in December. That's going to be fun. I have 37 hours total between here and uh, Myanmar. It was really difficult to avoid. I guess I could have risked it, but... On the other hand, I'm like, nah, you never know what the travel bans and stuff are. I don't want to go through 14 days self-quarantine while I'm on vacation. Well, mine is, I think, about two and a half hour layover in total, I think, in Dubai, on the way out at least. And it's probably about three and a half hours total layover between Melbourne and Dubai on the way back. So it's a lot of flying time. Yeah, they are long flights. I was actually surprised to hear that low of a number because that's... That's a long distance to travel. Not going to lie, I've been looking for weeks and trying to work out the best flights time-wise, because literally, I finish work on the Tuesday, I have to fly that evening. I finish work at four o'clock, I think I'm flying about half nine. So that's the sort of rapid turnaround, because from the moment I finish, I have about two and a half weeks of work, and that is it, and then I am back. <laughs> so it needs to be efficient. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, Vidim, because... I think a lot of people quite enjoyed this episode. I didn't. I thought it was pointless. <laughs> there was 400 euros earned, we think. The total in the laser game was not mentioned at all, for some reason. No. 
I I have a theory on that when we get to it, but it's yeah, it's pointless. Does they even whatever total they earned was really was barely above zero, just below zero, or right around zero by the looks of it? Yeah, it's it's a pointless episode. It was essentially wheel spinning, and it now has dire consequences. <laughs> so great job, guys! Because there's only two episodes left, right? Yeah, there has to be a final three this time in two weeks. There's no negotiation about it. Even with the two, so they can still do just one elimination uh, next week, then another elimination the following week, and they're still good? Yeah, so the history we've had generally on this is the options are either a final four, which is unlikely because, you know, as we discussed on the awards episode, if you have too many people left at the end, you run the risk of one or more people still not getting the mole, and ultimately... They're trying, as our favourite uh, mole host Jill said, they are trying desperately to make sure that at least someone works out who the mole is. So if you increase it too much, you're running the risk of nobody at all working it out. Or the other option is we have an elimination next week and an elimination halfway through the finale, which they've done before, is a bit of a clunky way to do it, but it is possible. Or the third option is that they could have a double elimination next week, which would be awful. So there's there's only two rounds of play left. Yeah, there's 100% two oh, rounds of play left. Oh, I see. The finale is in less than three weeks now as we record this. The finale is the 14th of March, and they have to have only three people left by then, in theory. I see. So there, ha- there could be a double elimination next week or the week after. Yeah. Or not the week after. Next week would be the only time they could do a double elimination. Yeah, I would lean probably towards there being one elimination next week, one elimination in the finale, but they've not done that for a while, and it's a really clunky way to do it, because then you don't really get the satisfaction of the final three being there, and more than likely they will only do one challenge as the final three in that case. wonder if sometimes they do it when too many people are onto who the mole is. I don't know, because obviously we have a a potential three people who could have gone this week. Yeah, I guess there could have just been... They they just rolled the dice and think, well, there could still be an execution anyway. But I'll say this now to basically start the episode. Mole producers, if you are listening, please stop putting so many non-eliminations in the episodes. Like, this week's non-elimination, they literally could have avoided doing. They had no reason to do it this week unless they wanted five people to be left next week, which is pointless. Yeah, it's not like they're trying to keep Nikki in for an extra episode. Of the seven episodes so far, three of them have been potential non-eliminations. That's insane. And it's just bad planning, because all you need is one. You only need one non-elimination in your entire season, and you're going for three, and you deliberately keep the third one in pointlessly. Amazing Race says hello. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's what annoyed me more than anything, is the fact that all you need is a final three at the end. You don't need to keep having three non-elimination opportunities. It's just pointless. Yet we cover Amazing Race more than any other show on the planet. Yeah, but Amazing Race mathematically does still need three. That's the thing. The model mathematically, or Vidim at least, mathematically only needs one. Race. Yeah, they actually, in terms of episode order, they don't need that. It's like pulling an Amazing Race Canada, but instead of giving out three Express Passes pointlessly, they give out three saves pointlessly. Yeah. So previously, everyone tried to commit the naughtiest act they've ever done in a field, and then got confused by a tour group logic puzzle. Leonie and Buddy had trouble with Eta Discipline, and a run around the Dragon Village cost them 200 euros, but it was Clace and his vile, vile t-shirt who were sent packing. And Rick introduces the episode by saying that Clace left with his head held high, and his sartorial standards very low. And he claimed he was suffering from tunnel visi. Only five people are left. Rob and Nathan don't leave each other's sides. Milushka and Buddy still have a secret bonja. For the rest, it seems like Buddy is alone, and Milushka is waiting for Leone to approach her, but she keeps her cards close to her chest. And the mole keeps a low profile, literally and figuratively. And the episode title is Opponent, which... Given that if you've watched enough Vidim episodes, you'll know that basically all of the episode titles relate to the mole in some capacity. This is the most obvious one they've ever done, I think. Unless it doesn't yeah. refer to the uh, the laser game, which is unlikely. So Buddy begins the episode by playing guitar, and of course Rob has brought a ukulele with him. If you had to guess, even without knowing that Rob is a folk or country musician, I can't even remember which anymore. If you had to guess who's brought a ukulele with him... Would you guess the guy who brought a straw hat and dungarees with him? 
<laughs> I think he would. <laughs> no, I would have guessed Johan. <laughs> no, Johan probably uh, put a sitar in his hand luggage or something just to, you know, be different. Yeah, an accordion. <laughs> He's weird Al. I would love to see Johan get on the flight to uh, to Heenan with, with a full-on accordion on his chest. <laughs> Genuinely, if you're on a long-haul flight, would there be anything worse than sat next to someone with an accordion? <laughs> is that worse than a crying baby, or someone who reclines their seat into your lap, which is my absolute bugbear, it's the worst if you are that sort of person, go die in a hole. What's funny thinking about this is one time I was on Air Asia flight, and it was like an early morning flight, and this random guy with a guitar was allowed to play at the front. And he was just doing like really jovial music for like half an hour and did like a happy birthday song for somebody on the flight whose birthday it happened to be. And then I was thinking, man, what, what if it was just like all these people with random instruments just started joining in? And Johan with his accordion would have just completely ruined the flight for everybody. See, guitar isn't too bad on a flight, especially if you're delayed or whatever and you're trying to distract from that. But being sat next to someone with a full-on accordion strapped to their chest, just making sad, sad, whiny music, and I love you, Weird Al, you are one of the best gigs I've ever seen, but the accordion is not the reason I like you. Like, being sat next to someone with a full-on, like, squeeze box on their chest would be horrendous. The only way to make it worse is if it is someone who also then reclines their seat into your lap, because they are the worst people. Yeah, like, it would have been great in this episode with Buddy playing the guitar, Rob playing the ukulele, then Leone joins in with a triangle, then Malushka pulls out a trombone from underneath her seat, and then Nathan uses one of those uh, jugs that southern people from Texas use, the... <laughs> And they just start an impromptu band uh, within this Chinese cafe. Basically a Vidim orchestra. Yeah. <laughs> Vidim 2020. Also, let's be real. If Nathan was going to play an instrument, it would be the spoons. <laughs> the spoons. I could imagine Nathan getting two spoons out and just kind of tapping them on his lap. Whilst everyone else has musical talent, Nathan has the spoons. The only thing cheaper than a hot shower. And a haircut. And the haircut that he clearly didn't do himself. So Rob says that it's nice to make music, and it's an escape from the game, and Buddy and Rob sing a song about Vidim with some wonderful lyrics. And it is day 13 to begin their first challenge, and everyone is taken to an electric car factory. They have to pay attention to the colours as the electric cars drive around. One person gets to write down what they see, and they have 20 minutes. And absolutely no instruction. Which was the first bit of this episode that really quite irritated me. Yeah, just no, yeah, there was no, that's, I kept going back, like, did I miss something? Was I distracted? No, just write down everything you see. I know that, obviously, we think that Vidim is a lot better this year than last year. It's not hard. But the problem that I have with Vidim compared to Belgi now is that they just do these tasks and don't actually give them a fair chance to win. Because it's all well and good having an obscure task that maybe has a twist at the end. But you're literally just trying to keep the pot down by putting it into the mole's favour by doing this sort of challenge. It really is quite annoying that they have this sort of a challenge. But then, it's really not an interesting challenge anyway, is it? It's pay attention to 20 minutes of cars driving around and answer three questions with numbers that you literally pluck out of thin air. Yeah, like... Did them all have to do anything to sabotage a challenge? I think just a regular group of people who are smart and intelligent still would have had a tough time with this because it could have been a quiz based on... They don't, well, they didn't even know if there was going to be a quiz, right? It was just things are going to happen around you for 20 minutes that's going to be super chaotic and then something might happen that helps you earn money afterwards. There is a heap of skill to designing a mole challenge, and I get that they've done this for 20 years now, so they might be running a little bit dry on it. But you don't just do a, this is a random thing, we're not going to tell you what you've actually got to do for a 20 minutes challenge, because nobody enjoys that. Nobody enjoyed watching those cars go around, nobody enjoyed watching people watching those cars go around, and nobody enjoyed Buddy getting stressed. I just didn't really understand what was going on, and neither did the contestants. In fact, many of their comments were, I don't understand what's going on in this chaos. 
if this had happened on Belgi, we would have had a voiceover from Gilles explaining what they actually had to do. Yeah, he'd be like, the candidates will have a quiz at the end of this challenge, and they will have no shot in hell of earning any money for the pot. It feels like we are being left in the dark, which isn't necessarily a bad thing if it's an interesting challenge to begin with. But it's not. It's a quite boring challenge. <laughs> Especially when there's already been several car-based challenges up to, uh, up to this point. Do you know what the most interesting thing about this entire challenge is? Wood. The fact that it is the basis of a Final Five spoiler for this season. Because, for some reason, the electric car company tweeted out a picture of the Final Five standing with cars from this episode when it was filmed. And I only found this out last week. So a lot of people knew who the... Or, not a lot of people, but anybody who was actively looking for mole spoilers have known this since, yeah, knew this for a long time. Yeah, they knew the first five boots as soon as the entire cast were announced were Anita, Tina, Yaika, Johan and Clace in some order. So yeah, this is probably one of the worst challenges they've done for a while, and that's saying something. I think it might actually be one of the worst small challenges I've seen, period. It's just, I mean, some challenges are not fun for the contestants, but are really fun for us to watch. This one is not fun for the contestants, and not fun for us to watch. Because it was just them it was just them saying, oh, this is chaotic. And then there was a quiz where it's like, well, just no real shot at it. But he didn't know exactly. But he took as much notes as he could. I mean, the sabotage there was, oh, if Buddy's the mole, he just took the wrong notes. But I'm just trying to think, if I was in that position, I'd be like, just trying to write everything. I'll have all this information down, but I don't know how I'm going to sift through all that data. Now, the fact of the matter is, they had a boring challenge that they told them nothing about and made it far too easy to sabotage if there was any sabotage at all, which I don't think there was. And then if you're the other four contestants, and then the only way that really easy, if you're one of the other four contestants, I guess the way they sabotage it is, oh, um, they just forgot to point out one of the cards, and then you automatically lose the challenge right there. Yeah, a, a good mole challenge is A, interesting for us to watch, B, interesting for the contestants to do, and C, something that is legitimately interesting to sabotage. And Or another element, of course, with the mole, because of the whole espionage and sneaky element, is have some sort of sneaky clue as to what will happen at the end of the challenge. Because the mole is, mole is typically really good at... Uh, inserting that into its challenges. For instance, say from the first American season, oh, sort yourselves into two groups. One group will do this, and the other group needs to be able to count to 435. And then they're in a field of sheep. And at the end, the question is, oh, how many sheep were in the field? And they're like, oh, we don't have any idea. And they're like, well, the answer was 435. That was a pretty obvious clue, guys, and you missed it. Like if there's something like that, for instance, say, oh, this person should be able to count to seven should be in Buddy's position, then you know, hey, maybe the answer to that first question should have been seven based on what Rick told you, as opposed to just being this abstract thing that they had to pull out of thin air. Yeah, it just doesn't work as a mole challenge, and it doesn't work as a challenge generally for me. And I'm glad that you feel the same way, because I thought I was going to be a bit of a grumpy bastard about this, but it just doesn't work. No, it's a legitimate concern. It's, it's definitely a legitimate, hey... Producers kind of messed up that challenge. For all the good stuff that has come out of this season, there have been a few stinkers, and this is one of them. Yeah, I think this this challenge, like, we're always really, really high on Views the Mole, the Mole franchise in general, but this challenge in particular, I think, needs to be needs to go into a dishonorable mention. Right along with Clay's shirt. Ever since Clay's shirt, this you know the series has just been taking. The season's been taking a hit. Maybe Clay was the one sabotaging all along. <laughs> the spirit of the shirt. So yeah, they earn no money, but he gives us stupid guesses. You know what would have been great? If Clay's had survived the last execution, and the car company tweets the picture of all the contestants in the car factory, and they have to show Clay's shirt on social media to promote their business. <laughs> If you were sat at home and you were close, though, you'd be pissed that there was a third non-elimination potential this week, wouldn't you? 
Yeah, it would make, would have made more sense to have it at final six as opposed to final five. But also, on top of that, imagine what had happened if all three of the non-eliminations happened. Because as we proved this week, they wouldn't have taken any of them out. So we would have six people left in this episode. And going into next week. There would have had to be a double elimination in the finale. If they had all Yeah, for worked. consecutive episodes, right? Yeah, there would have had to be at least one elimination next week, and then at least one more in the finale. Maybe they would have run with a final four, maybe they would have run with a, a final three and done a double elimination and a single elimination, but it's insane that there is a potential for six people to be in the semi-final episode of a season that starts with ten. 20th anniversary. It's just nuts. Do you think they're going to do a final four heading into the final quiz just because it's season 20? Just as a big, like, hey, this is a big endgame twist we've never done before. They have done it before, though. They've done it a couple of times, and it's terrible. <laughs> oh, actually taking the final quiz, you mean? Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant they always did it where somebody got eliminated prior to the final quiz. No, they've done it before where people have been eliminated before taking the final quiz, so they've had two quizzes in the final four. They've done it before where there was a cliffhanger at the end of the semi-final episode and the person in fourth went home in the finale technically. They've done an actual final four a couple of times. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. I guess it's not another question for that to... In fact, that's probably a very likely scenario because a double elimination at final five seems excessive. I'm confident that we will have four people going into the finale. I'm not confident whether there will be an elimination before the final quiz. I guess we'll find out very soon. Yeah. It will be in the preview if there is a final four elimination in that finale, though. They won't pass up an opportunity to put someone getting a red screen into the um, the trailer for the finale. So then we get to some lighter bits of the episode, because everyone goes out to eat, and Milushka takes forever to decide what everyone's having, and she says she likes to learn her countries through her palate. And then Leone calls her a feeder, and says she drew that conclusion after a few weeks with her. The laser game! <laughs> See... Even though it's laser game, and I love laser games, this is not a good laser game. Because laser games are typically a lot more elaborate. It's one of the biggest builds of a season is typically a laser game. I remember... They've taken over a theme park in the past to do laser game. This is an abandoned warehouse with eight lights total in it. Or the one they used, like, the empty warehouses, or the... I can't remember which season it was, but it was an empty shopping mall. Like, that's pretty freaking cool. This is this was just a small room. Yeah, going back to my rules about what a good mole game is, it needs to be interesting for everyone participating, which this one actually is. It needs to be interesting for us to watch, which this one is not. And it needs to be one that can be potentially sabotaged. I don't really think there is much potential for sabotage in this one, because it's literally just technically a laser game against the mole. The sabotage comes from trying to make yourself as mole obvious and shoot all of the lights you can before you get shot yourself. Yeah, like it's the mole. The mole is already in the mole role. Yeah. And, I mean, knowing a bit of Venom history, it will have been the mole who was facing all of them apart from the mole themselves. For the mole themselves, it would have been one of the staffers, probably. Maybe Rick? Which is why I think that they did not show how much the mole won or lost. Because if they'd shown whoever was playing the mole playing against the mole, it probably was a different body shape to the actual mole. That's my oh. feeling on it. So the mole will have played themselves against everyone apart from themselves. Well, they could have just, in the editing room, just recut footage of them, I guess, in the episode. See, I think that this is probably going to be how they reveal the mole, is using this challenge, which is why we had it. So, I think, probably, that the last scene of the reveal clip will be the mole having shot whoever is playing the mole, taking off the balaclava, and seeing a mirror or something. <laughs> it will be something like that. This is a sort of challenge that they will use for the reveal clip, I think. It's possible. So yeah, inside Rick's tiny, tiny warehouse are eight light installations with positive and negative money on them. They will each go in one by one and have to switch off the minus mounts using lasers. They will encounter resistance as they will laser game against the mole. 
and there is 1,600 euros potential for this challenge. Not that we actually know how much they made. They didn't make much. No, I think they made a negative amount, but we'll get to that in a minute. I think it's because uh, product maybe production has a much smaller cap on what they want the grand prize to be than what we're aware of, just because the grand prize hasn't been that big for a long time. No, the last time it was technically over 15,000 was 2011, I think. It's a while since they've actually had a decent prize. Like, what's been the average amount for the past, like, six or seven years then? Like, around twelve or 13,000 is the most? Yeah, it, it's around twelve or 13,000. It skews it slightly because there was one season that had a twist at the end where, in the final challenge, whoever won that challenge, if they were the winner of the season, the pot got doubled. Oh, I see. So excluding that, it's been twelve or thirteen. Yeah, it usually it averages about twelve or thirteen now. Yeah, see that that's that could be part of the reason why they had these challenges where they had no real chance to make money this week or just raise up the difficulty because maybe they do have a budget that says, hey, we can't go beyond say fifteen thousand just in case, or wait until the finale and up the prize value for the last couple challenges. Yeah, it just it really felt this week like they were just doing a wheel spinning episode. And as people who've listened to the past three hundred and one episodes will now know, I don't like a wheel spinning episode. It is my absolute bugbear when it comes to Amazing Race nowadays. It just really irritates me when you can tell they're trying kind of, but ultimately they have an episode where it has zero effect on the rest of the season. Just even the scenes that they showed out when they weren't in challenges were not necessarily that much character bonding challenges or pop scenes. I mean, I guess the guitar playing was, but like watching them decide what they were going to eat wasn't like a particularly hilarious scene, for instance. Like, I think, like, for instance, let's take Australian Survivor All Stars, where at the start of each episode, there's a good three or four minute clip of something that's genuinely funny happening on screen. And then there'll be a couple more clips of there being something funny or, or personal stories being shared here. We don't, didn't really get that this episode, even though it was for the most part, a throwaway episode. I think they probably thought they were trying to put effort in, but I don't think they actually did put effort in this week. And when you have an episode that is the big laser game episode where as we found out last year, every contestant looks forward to doing the laser game. It is the highlight of everyone's season, generally. And when you have a laser game like this, where it's just a bit... Ugh. It's just a bit rubbish. It has very little effect on the episode. And in fact, I would probably guess that they earned minus 400 euros from this challenge, just to make this episode a gigantic bust. But, like, it's just rubbish. <laughs> it's just completely phoned in this week. It's annoying. And then at least we got a fun challenge at the end, where again, a bit of an odd challenge, but a fun one. Yeah, the problem is the final challenge is an odd challenge, and a fun character challenge, but ultimately it's another one like the first challenge, where no one's going to do very well on it. They were lucky to get four of them. There's some tough pictures to take. Yeah, it doesn't work as an episode, and as a TV product for me. And it kills me to say this about an episode of The Mole, because I genuinely do love The Mole. Most people who speak to me in real life know how much I love The Mole, because it comes up in conversation a lot, I'll be honest. But, like, this week, it's just rubbish. And what worries me more is that we're recording this on Sunday night for me. Tomorrow morning, at some point, Vidim have got a big announcement. And, I mean, it could be when The Mole Day is, which is when they bring the entire cast to meet some of the fans and stuff. It could be a VIP competition, or it could be a second Vidim season this year, for all we know. So, if they're doing this now, when they're on one season a year, and phoning it in, what's it going to be like if they're stretched over two? That's what worries me now. You think they would do a second season this year? I'm not sure. It's the 20th anniversary, isn't it? They might do something special. Hopefully, it will just be the Mole Day or a VIP competition that I can then hopefully win and sneak into the finale. But... It's not out of the question that we could have a second Vidim season this year. And it worries me if they do an episode like this again. Because it's a, a genuine bust and a non-entity of an episode. What were some of the photos that they had to take? I'm trying to remember the exact criteria. Oh, I've got them all. I have them all written down for when we get to that challenge. Don't worry about that. 
Aren't we at that challenge? No, we're still in the laser game. I didn't have anything else to really say about the well, other than Rob putting his hat down. But then he's at another location calling out to the mole. It's like, well, they can hear your voice, so they know you're not where the hat is. One thing I did notice in this challenge is that Rob has so many tattoos, he actually has tattooed palms. We see this in one of the confessionals. He does have tattoos on both of his palms. They're his little ukulele grips. But yeah, Rob says he's a gamer. He plays paintball with friends, and he's still wearing his stupid fucking hat. And then takes his hat off and leaves it on a fence. And then manages to knock them all out and shoots the air to celebrate. And Belushka also loves shooting games and gets herself shot. And Nathan, obviously being basically a gigantic child, really enjoys this challenge. Decides to hunt down the mole and eliminates them. But he got caught up in eliminating the mole and forgot to actually shoot the lights. Because the challenge ends when one person gets shot. Or 15 minutes is up, whichever's first. And interestingly, you can work out how many lights there were, because 1,600 Yoras is the maximum pot. I'm assuming, it's a big assumption here, I am assuming that the mole's score doesn't count either way, for their round at least. 400? Yeah, so that means it was 400 per person, so four lights on each side. That is rubbish for a laser game. That's really low. That is terrible. When you compare it to some of the laser games we've seen... You have the abandoned theme park in Oregon, which was amazing. And I think that challenge was worth about 3,000 euros, potentially. It was quite a lot. You have, like, full-on sneaking through lasers and stuff. You have paintball games. You have everything like that. This challenge just irritated me because of how phoned in it was, even though it's a laser game and we're supposed to love it. Or how some of them are, like, all-night challenges with invaders, where it's, like, overnight they do this challenge. Here it was just... One one on one, fifteen minutes max, only four targets per person. I mean, if you compare it to something like the one in South Africa where someone was literally hanging out of a, a helicopter and shooting their opponents, between that and a tiny Chinese warehouse with four targets on each side, you can see where our issues are slightly. <laughs> And there's just, yeah, I wonder if the budget got trimmed this year. Well, there was the rumour of it being trimmed slightly because NPO have Eurovision this year. The Netherlands won Eurovision last year. So the Netherlands have to host it this year. And there was a rumour last year, at least, that that might have an effect on how much money Vidim would have, even though it's the 20th anniversary. And it's the flagship programme, because it's the most watched thing of any given week, still. 20 years later. So we have some more character scenes, uh, including Buddy and Malushka having a bunch of catch-up, and Nathan says that Rob is a good connector, he talks to everyone and brings in a good vibe. They don't use each other much anymore, they wanted to get to Final Five together, and now it's time to split up. And Leonie says to Rob that she will cut Nathan's mullet if it's him. There'll be a fun scene in Bundle Park, I'm sad I'll miss that. And an interesting quote, Buddy says that him and Malushka share all their answers, and help each other with the tests, but if they made it to the end together, Buddy will lose in a head-to-head match against her. There is no reason to put this scene in, unless it comes true. Maybe it's C.C. Nan in a head-to-head matchup. Oh, anyone could beat C.C. in a head-to-head matchup. <laughs> Maybe not in a fist fight, but in a head-to-head quiz. Yeah, I would say, I think he's picked up some skills after being in Syria, North Korea. So for the final assignment, they are brought to a theme park made to look like an ancient Chinese village... And Rick asks them to take 15 photos for him, which are, and I have to take a deep breath here, four Chinese people on the terrace in traditional Han Dynasty clothes with Buddy and Malushka, three Chinese people with a tie with Nathan, four Chinese people with post-its with Leonie and Rob, three Chinese people with cameras, four Chinese people with hamburgers, three Chinese with a knitted hat, four Chinese with porcelain plates with flowers on them, three Chinese in a window on the second floor with Leonie and Buddy, four Chinese around a guitar with Rob, three Chinese with bamboo, four Chinese with big copper Buddha at the top of the stairs, three Chinese toasting with rice wine and Malushka and Nathan, four Chinese with a stuffed animal that they won at the arcade, three Chinese that are eating ice cream with everyone, and two Chinese with a painting by Monet. And each correct photo is worth 100 euros for pots, and they've got 20 minutes to take them all. <laughs> like, that's a ridiculously low time limit. And also, this is an impossible challenge to win, because Rick reads it once, and then that's it. Yeah, no one can remember. Like, they should be able to reference it back like a checklist. Like, even if they have that checklist, it would still be a tough challenge. I mean, the only reason that they did Rick can only read this once is so that the mole can sabotage. But then again, at the risk of sounding like someone complaining about Hunted on social media, it's very rigged against the contestants here. (laughs) 
they really didn't stand a chance. No, there is a fine line and a balance here with every good mole challenge of not making it too difficult for people to win anything, but also making it possible for the mole to sabotage. This one was far too difficult for people to win anything, and it's a bleeding miracle that they got four of these photos correct. I was actually impressed with how much they did work well together as a team. Yeah, but it just, it really doesn't make sense. Minus Rob, who just thought he had to take a picture of Bamboo. It was a good episode for Rob this week. We had a lot of Rob. Every photo needs people in it, except a picture of Bamboo, which you can find almost anywhere. Maybe Rob thought that Bamboo was someone's nickname and they just had to find them. Yeah, I need to take a picture of any any of you named Bamboo. Are you Bamboo? Are you a candelabra? So as soon as Rick tells them the list once, Leone forgets everything, and they immediately take a group photo. And then Buddy runs after a group of women, Leone acquires some post-it notes, and then her and Rob take that photo, and the man looks so unimpressed, it's wonderful. And then Nathan says it's difficult to remember all 15 photos by yourself, so you have to trust everyone. However, this is Vista Mole, and as we know, you should trust nobody. Trust? No one. The best thing for me is you have no idea which season that comes from yet. <laughs> no, I don't. Almost sounds like Carol's voice. Yeah, it's not. It's um, it's one of the contestants. Mm. And it just became a, an iconic thing? Yeah, it just became a, a sort of bit of meme. And they just rolled with it as, the, as part of the intro to every episode since? Yeah, so he said that on one of the seasons in one of his confessionals, and then from the season afterwards it became the thing that played over the group photo. So Milushka, Rob, and Nathan spot the flowery plates, and Milushka somehow accidentally took both phones that they have to take pictures with. And Leonie says, you have to let go of your shame, and it's easy for her. And then Buddy takes loads and loads of photos when they're up in the window. Leonie turned the walkie-talkie off, and Milushka really enjoys some rice wine. The thing is, how much shame are you really letting go? It's not like there are any embarrassing pictures. It's not like... They had to wear Clay's shirt or anything. I was thinking that. The 16th <laughs> photo was find Clay's, who we've hidden in this park, and convince someone to wear convince his so- god-awful t-shirt. <laughs> Take a photo of Clay's shirt with four Chinese. Find the world's worst t-shirt and take, take a photo with four Chinese people around it. And mail the photo to Clay's. Clay's was a gift last week, he really was. <laughs> despite never speaking. And then Buddy gets on the microphone to find three Chinese people and a humburger. Not a hamburger, a humburger. Yeah, I still don't know what the difference is. No idea either. I'm guessing there's a bird in there. It's a bird patty. A live hummingbird inside of the burger. (laughs) That's how coronavirus started, guys. It wasn't a pangolin. It's like someone heard the idiom a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush and went... That sounds like a great idea. It's worth 100 euros. And Malishka says that she finds Rob a little bit vague. And then Buddy and Leone find the hamburger stall, but run out of time just as they find it. And then we get a real interesting scene of them trying to decide which of the 15 photos to actually submit to Rick. And they only submit 11 of them, four of them are correct, and they get 400 euros of the pot. And Rick says that they have endless trust in Nathan as their treasurer. So that means they earn a massive 400 euros out of a possible 1500 for this challenge, 400 euros out of a possible 3000 as far as we're aware for the episode, and 9650 out of a possible 40,960 for the season so far. And it's now time for the test. 20 questions on the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows at least goes home, except for the mole who can never go home. And it doesn't matter. <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. <laughs> nope. As with pretty much everything this episode, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This episode is essentially the whose line is it anyways points of Vidim episodes. They should have had Dwayne the Rock Johnson come out and be like at the execution. He's like, who do you think the mole is? For the 20th question, who do you think the mole is? It doesn't matter who you think the mole is. Yeah, this is an episode of Vidim where the challenges are made up and the elimination doesn't matter. Um, so some interesting bits I spotted in the test. I'm trying not to be a grumpy bastard here, but you know, it's it's really not working when you have an episode as bad as this to cover. Um, there's an interesting piece of music called The Middle of the World from the soundtrack of Moonlight that plays, and I have a sneaky suspicion that that is the same music that we heard in the previously on segment after Ron was in the opera in Vidim 18. I recognise it, at least. 
Malishka's mole is Leone. It's a gut feeling, and it's also a bit of follow the money. She's also looking at Rob, because he's a bit too eager. Rob spreads over two people. He's still doubtful about whether Buddy is fanatical or mole. He also suspects Leone. If he had a mole business, he would hire her for that. And my favourite bit of the entire episode is the question that we see when Rob is filling in his um, his test. Did you notice what it was? Because it's amazing. For the Bruno Mars question? Yes. So the question is, I think, it's a rough translation because, you know, I didn't actually Google it. If the mole had a day with one other person, who would they choose? The five options are amazing because they are Bruno Mars, Michelle Obama, Max Verstappen, who is a Dutch Formula One driver, Joe Rogan, but who is the fifth one, Logan? Did you spot it? No, I didn't. It should be a very familiar name because it's Robert Van Beckhoven. Oh, is that the guy from last year? It is indeed Dutch <laughs> Paul Hollywood from last season of Vidim. <laughs> Not even CNN. Robert got picked over CNN for that question. Of all the people in the world that they could have picked to spend one day with, they chose Robert, who was like second boot last year? Third boot? Something like that? I think second. Wasn't he out before Nikki? No, he was out the week after Nikki, I think. I think it was the same oh, okay. episode. Uh, but yeah, of all the people in the world to spend one day with, you choose Dutch Paul Hollywood, who was terrible at guessing the mole. Genuinely awful at it. And uh, I'm sorry, but I don't think Robert's been to North Korea or Syria. It's not even the question of if you could spend a day with another mole contestant, who would it be? It's genuinely, who would you spend a day with out of everyone else in the world? You had seven billion other people to choose from, and you choose the third boot from the previous season. But the next question is, who chose Robert for that question? I don't know, maybe his brother is in the cast and we don't know. The logical one would be Malushka, because she's a foodie, but still, of all the people in the world, you choose Robert? Maybe they, one of the contestants found out that Robert is their biological father, and Robert's not aware of it yet. So this is like the first chance to meet your real dad, and that's why one of them picked Robert. Who <laughs> would you like to meet? Um, my long-estranged father, who I've never met before in my life, and I found out was a sperm donor in his 20s. I would love to meet him. Of those five people, who would you spend a day with? Joe Rogan. I was going to say, it's an obvious answer for you, that isn't it, Joe Rogan? Because, you know, you have a mutual friend in Alan Wu. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. The problem is spending the day with Joe Rogan would probably end in you having to drink donkey piss and semen. <laughs> or get into a fight with an amazing race contestant. And that's when he got too close to Joe. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, 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 hey. And then in the other great bit of this test and execution scene, Nathan still spreads because he's unsure, so he spreads on three people at Final Five, as we joked about a few weeks ago. He's ruled one person out. Who has he ruled out? Rob! He says he spreads on Leone, Buddy, and Maluska. He doesn't think it's Rob, but everyone else is suspicious. At Final Five! What the hell, Nathan? The thing is... After all this, he doesn't even get a red screen. He gets a green screen for spreading on three people. So he's going to do it again next week. The dude's insane. He'll be in the finale. He'll be in the finale and still spreading. <laughs> if we have a final four and Nathan is there, there is a very real chance that Nathan will spread on all three of the other people in the final test. What the hell? I want to see him win. I want to see somebody win by spreading. That'd be the greatest ending ever for the 20th anniversary. We've never had a mole winner who could not identify who the mole was. Well, I mean, he kind of, like, we've always joked before what would happen if, say, both people, because normally on the final quiz you go all in on somebody, and we talked about what would happen if, say, both people go all in on the wrong person, and how hilarious that would be. But this would be almost just as great, because they split it between who they think the mole is and who the mole isn't, and then the person at the and then he, the person wins. They're like, "Well, I, I kind of, I'm kind of not surprised it was you. I kind of thought it was you." <laughs> like, can you imagine that as an ending? Like, not just the ultra surprise of, "Oh my god, I was wrong, but I still won somehow." This is like, "Well, I mean, I was kind of onto you as the mole." 
would it be a waste of a season if Nathan won by spreading? That's my next question. No, that would be a memorable ending. It'd be like, well, I mean, he was on the right track. Like, we're two weeks away from this actually being a potential situation on a season of them all. And I have no idea how. And that's why it sucks so badly that this was the non-elimination round, because if it was elimination, Nathan would be in, somebody else is going home, and Nathan could still spread on Final Four. Final Four is a non-elimination. He's like, oh shit, I got a final quiz. I got to figure this out. But the thing is, there is a very real possibility that Nathan will spread until the final test and then guess the right person. Yeah, and it might not even be a coin flip, because the coin doesn't have enough sides. Like, how, how is this even a situation? <laughs> in episode seven, and now that there's a final five in the penultimate episode, yeah, in the penultimate episode, we're going to have a contestant who's still spreading between three candidates, which is even more amazing, because typically there's only three other candidates left in the penultimate episode. Exactly. If... If Rob was the one who was meant to go home, Nathan genuinely could have spread on everyone else in the Final Four, and potentially got to the final with that tactic. See, people need to rethink their strategy for for next year, because then maybe you, you do do that all the way till the final round, and then you just pick one person for the final quiz. It's a legitimate strategy. So, at the execution, Rick says that the mole is doing well, and is one of the only people who can be calm. Each person, in an unnecessary twist, gets to come up and draw a card. One of them is red, one of them is green. If they pick green, they can choose one person not to see their screen. If they pick red, they have to nominate someone to see their screen. Nathan is the first up to choose. He picks green and then nominates Malushka. He would have picked Rob, but Rob proved himself to be a little bit selfish in their buncher, so screw him. And then Malushka is up next. She picks red and nominates Buddy, which is a great tactical move, because it means that if he's given the same answers as her... She basically sees her own screen and sees if it's green or red. And if he gets a red screen, she needs to change her mole. And his screen is green. Rob is next up. He picks green and saves Leonie to preserve their new buncher. Leonie is next. She picks green and saves Rob. And she says that if someone gives her a green card, she's not a bitch who doesn't give it back. And then Buddy is last up. He picks red. And Nathan, by default, has to see his screen. It's green. They're all through to the next episode. This episode was a genuine waste of time. <laughs> And yet we still podcasted about it. I know. <laughs> what does that say about us? Podcast number 301 is what it says. 302. Oh, Hunted? Yeah, Hunted's got 301. Ah. Came out today. Keep up, Logan. Um, yeah, it's just a gigantic waste of time, this episode, isn't it? I mean, it kind of sums up the issues that I think we had with Vidim last year. It looks really pretty, but under the surface, it's really just pointless. This week was. At least we know there can't... What if there's a non-elimination next week? They won't. I was about to say they won't do one next week, but you and I both know that that is now a very distinct possibility, given how ridiculous this season seems to be. So, who do you think actually got the red screen? Because it was one of three people. It was either Leone, Rob, or Malushka. Uh, maybe it was Leone. See, I think it was Leone as well. I'm inclined to think that maybe it was Leone. But if you're in that situation where you are a candidate, because there was at least two candidates in that trio, if you are a candidate and you know that someone in your group got a red screen but you don't know who, and if you're Malushka, you can be reasonably confident that it wasn't you, because if Buddy is telling you the truth, you probably got the same score on that quiz, which means it's Leone or Rob. Which means that on the pool, I ducked a massive massive uh, execution there for you <laughs> yeah you lucky me so the question is whether as a candidate you would stick to your guns at final five or whether you would maybe change tax yeah if you know there was a one in three shot that you that you were supposed to go home yeah especially if you are in the, the trio with your mole potentially if your mole's wrong, you probably scored zero on this quiz at this point in the season. Yeah, that's not going to be a fun... That's going to be a sleepless night for those three. The question is whether anyone will do a Bertrand and completely not change their opinion and get executed once more. Yeah, depends on how much they want to play those odds, I guess. And be like, I'm... Depends how confident they are in their mole. 
And talking of moles, who do you suspect? Give me two names. So I can't spread between three. Oh, Nathan's allowed to do it, but not me. Yeah, I like Nathan, sorry. <laughs> Uh, let's go Rob. Rob did a few suspicious things this week, especially thinking that he didn't have to take pictures with anybody in bamboo. Uh, and his performance at the mole challenge, at the laser challenge, I mean. And let's go... Ooh, who do I want to go with? Malushka! Interesting. I'm sticking with my predictions from last week of Malushka and Leone. Leone, because I just can't shake the fact that she seems very useless if she isn't the mole. <laughs> and Milushka, she was one of the people at that mole challenge who said, oh yeah, I love a shooting game. And given how much of a crack shot the mole was, this challenge was probably built for the mole. So it's probably someone who likes shooting games, or loves laser quest, or loves paintballing, or loves something like that. And who do you think's going next week? Who do I think is going next week? Well, I mean, I'm inclined to say it's not going to be... Who were the two that saw their screen? Nathan and Buddy. Nathan and Buddy. So let's say those two are safe. Maybe Leone gets... Yeah, let's stick with the same person being executed. Yeah. For me, it is Nathan, if he continues ridiculously spreading, which he probably will. Or Leone, if she doesn't learn her lesson, because... I think we both kind of suspect that it was her who got the red screen secretly. Um, and in a surprise pool update, the switches somehow are still active. I was genuinely expecting to be able to say that the switches were expired and no one had used them, but all three switches are still active, and please God they have to be used by next episode, <laughs> if they're going to be used at all. So Logan has been completely eliminated from the season. Ha 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 Yay! So he, he just gets to be an innocent bystander now and try and salvage some uh, some pride from actually guessing them all in our, our episodes. Uh, my team is still Buddy, Leone, and Rob. Michelle's team is still Milushka and Nathan. So, next time, Milushka and Rob have a map and order people around. Leone has to cycle in 40 degree heat. She also gets stopped by the police, Rick offers an exemption on a lazy Susan, and everyone gets scared of a glass bridge. Hmm. So have you got anything you want to say to end the episode? I don't think there really is much to say about this episode. No, it's kind of a non-episode, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm pleasantly surprised we've managed to make so much of it, <laughs> other than me bitching and voting about how terrible it was. So, thank you for listening to our VS to Mole Recap. We'll be back next week for more Mole Hunting. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are RTV Warriors, or you can email us on contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan's on Twitter at logsofkawaki, and I am MJ Halmstone. See you next week. Peace out, and just chill till the next of flavoring.